Praise the Lord. You can be seated. Everybody happy this morning? Good. I'm going to minister for a short period of time this morning on winning the battle before the war begins. And the battle that we're fighting is right here. It's interesting that I noticed uh, in the last several weeks, and I've gotten calls about this, and uh, so I'm just going ahead and make a decoration this morning. I've had people call and say, Pastor, I heard so-and-so, and they prophesied this. I heard so-and-so, and they prophesied this. I saw on the news uh, this week that a pastor in, in a church in Texas, uh, a fairly large church, had prophesied and guaranteed that Donald Trump would be president. Now, he's had now, they said, over 600 death threats because it didn't happen. We are not moved by prophecy. If that's what you're listening at is prophecy, you're going to be misled. If you want to get in some prophecy, get your Bible looking like this. This is the only prophecy you need. You need to be listening to what's in in this book. And if we would get some wore out Bibles in the church, we wouldn't be we wouldn't be listening to all this crap going on on TV. The best thing you can do on your television is cut it off. And if you're going to watch anything, watch the Three Stooges, Gunsmoke, Amos and Andy, or anything else except the news. Now, I'm going to share this with you. I want you to understand that I was a Trump supporter. Trump done the one thing that God wanted him to do. He moved the embassy to Jerusalem. That's the only thing that God truly directed Donald Trump to do. Now, we get caught up, and he done some great things. Believe it, you know, he helped us veterans tremendously. And I voted for him. But he done what God... In my lifetime, I've heard president after president after president campaign on they're going to move the embassy to Jerusalem. You know how the, why the embassy is moving to Jerusalem? It's because Jesus is getting ready to break open the eastern sky. That's what's fixing to happen. That's the reason the embassy is moved. Bible says, look up because your redemption draweth nigh. Let me tell you something, it could come today. It may be tomorrow. I ask you today, are you ready? So I'm just going to go ahead, and for all you people upset and all this stuff, I just must tell you the truth. The Trump train has left the station and it's not coming back. So you need to get on with your life. You're going to have to get up tomorrow morning. Donald Trump or Joe Biden or nobody else is going to help you. You've got to get up tomorrow morning and face reality that there's a world out there that wants to see you defeated. And unless you've got the Word of God in you, unless you've got the power of the Holy Ghost in you, you're going to succumb to the wiles of the devil. But thank God. Let me tell you something. For you that's watching by the airway, 
If you're not in a Holy Ghost, Bible-believing church in these end times, I would suggest that you get in one. Because we're going to get in a war, bless God, and the ones that are prepared are going to be the ones that's going to win the war. Now, you know back, I'm an old military man. Now, I've got a, I've got a colonel in the, in the audience today. It's the only colonel in my life that I've said that I love you. <laughs> Raise your hand, sweetie. And I, and, 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 and I can, uh, and I call her sweetie. Thank God for your service and your husband's service. And everyone else that is a military person, thank you for your service. But now she's still in the National Guard. She's in the National Guard. What does the National Guard do? They train for war. They go through training. So shouldn't the church be doing the same thing? Training? There's a battle that we're going to fight. And so we have to know um, the weapons that we've got and the weapons that the enemy's got. It's like, Crystal, when you and Michael was in Iraq, you knew what kind of weapons you were up against. So you have weapons to combat their weapons. And I can tell you this today. The guy with the biggest weapons wins. And you know who's got the biggest weapon? We do, bless God. Because the Bible says, greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. So I've got a good weapon, bless God. I've got the Holy Ghost. Now, I don't get too excited this morning because and offend anybody. But in Ephesians, we're talking about winning the battle before the war begins. In Ephesians, the first chapter. Now, the book of Ephesians was written by Paul to the church at Ephesus, and it was a Christian church. This book of Ephesians is written to the church that he established because the Christian church at Ephesus was living like beggars. We don't beg God for anything. You're not a beggar. You're a child of God. So we don't have to operate begging God. But this church in Ephesus were living like beggars. Christian people. And then Paul says this to them in verse 16 of the first chapter. And this is called the Ephesian prayer. Now I have people ask me, Pastor, how do I pray for a loved one? Or how can I pray for someone who's lost? This one, one scripture here will help you. In Ephesians, in the first chapter, Paul said this, Do not cease to give thanks for you making mention to you in my prayers. Now look what he said. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you a spirit of wisdom, revelation, and the knowledge of Him that the eyes of your understanding be enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of His calling, which are the riches of the glory of the inheritance of His saints, and what is the sealing greatness of His power toward us who believe, or according to the working of His mighty power, 
which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in heavenly places. And look what verse 21 says. And this is you. If you're born again, this is you. Far above all principality and power and might and dominion, and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the age to come. And he had put all things under his feet. He's talking about dominion here. Dominion, here's what dominion would be for the Christian. Dominion is knowing who you are in Christ and understanding that in you and through him, in you, but through him, is the power to possess the promises of God. That's what dominion is, that we have dominion. But the church has lost dominion. We don't talk about it anymore. It's not, it's not kosher to talk about that you're a warrior or, or you've got authority, bless God. We have authority in the name of Jesus. Jesus, the Bible says, put all things under his feet. You have the same authority. You have the same dominion. Well, I don't feel like it. It has nothing to do with feeling. It has to do with knowing who you are in Christ. Now, the church has lost its dominion. Most people, some of you right in here today, you don't believe you can do anything. You just take whatever anybody gives you. Well, I'm supposed to have this, won't have this, don't have this, whatever it might be. Don't know who you are in Christ. There's two things been removed from the church. Two things that has been taken out of the church today. Number one is the altar. Do you know that most churches do not even have an altar call anymore? Turn on the TV, you'll see it. There's no altar call anymore. You know what the altar is for? Repentance. And the church of Jesus Christ needs to get on their knees and repent. Because let me tell you something. God has judged America because America has killed millions of little babies. And we keep on voting these people into office. Let me tell you something. If the Christians... If the Christians who are called by their, who say they're Christians would vote the book, there would never be another liberal in office in the United States of America ever. But you know what the Christians did? They sold out for 30 pieces of silver. And we sat back and we had to take it because the Christians went to the polls in Georgia. They just had a Senate race in Georgia. Two men that won the Senate race in Georgia. One of them is a Baptist preacher. And I heard him say this himself. He is for abortion. God forbid. But here it is in the South. That's supposed to be a red state. They vote in two Democrats who are for abortion. 
We're going to suffer the consequences of it. Let me tell you something. Trouble's coming, honey. You better be hooked up to the right rock. Because I'm going to tell you some troubling days ahead. But we've took the altar out of the church because it's not kosher to come up and repent no more. I've got a lady back here today. I didn't know it until this morning when I first got saved, August 22nd, 1990. I went to Miller, later went to Millerfield Assembly of God Church. I met a little lady down there that was a saint. Ramona, you know her. And her name was Dovey Ray. A prayer. Prayer. And I was young. I just got saved, you know. In fact, I was so fired up and so wild that my wife said after I got saved that I had to go to Bible college to calm down. I went to, to, went to the cemetery, I mean the seminary, and, 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 and lost a little fire. So I lost a little bit by, by, by the, now you know you ain't supposed to get up and you don't shout no more, you don't jump no more, you don't do none of this no more. Now I'm gonna tell you something. When you got the Holy Ghost, you still want to shout. When you got the glory of God in you, you still want to shout. Let me tell you something. The shout needs to come back to the church. Bless God. We've sat in our dried up, fried up churches, and we ain't supposed to move anything. We're like a church mouth. I say, no, it's time we start praising God, bless God. It's time we start giving God the glory, bless God. That's what the church needs. But I went down to Millersville, similarly God, and I, I, I was down praying one day. And I, I was having a little problem, and I, and I told Dovey Ray, and I said, you know, it don't seem like, I, I don't remember exactly what it was. I couldn't get an answer to prayer. And I was thinking about going to Bible school. And I remember what she told me. She said, um, Herbie, that's what they call me if you like me, Herbie. If you don't like me, call me Pastor. And she said, Herbie, get on the altar and pray through. I said, pray through? I said, what do you mean pray through? She said, pray and stay on the altar till you get through to God. And He'll answer your prayer. You know what happened? We can't stay long enough. You, some of you will go to a restaurant today. You'll wait an hour and a half to eat a meal that, that, that ain't worth 15 cents. But we can't come to church and stay 30 minutes, bless God. It's just too... Well, I see I, the, the clock is getting to me this morning. Well, I don't know. You can go ahead and look at the clock if you want to. I'm going to preach as long as I want to this morning. They ain't going to make no difference with me. You get mad, glad, sad, it don't make any difference. But I'm going to preach until I get through. I'm going to get, I'm going to preach until I get through to God. And hopefully you can too, bless God. Well, where was I at? We're talking about the altar and repentance. That's where the power comes to the church is when we get on the altar and seek God. We don't, most of the time we don't ask God for nothing. Now I know you guys think I'm, I'm just telling you one, but see, I get up about three o'clock every morning. Well, why do you get up at three o'clock? 
Well, the first thing I do is make a cup of coffee. And then the next thing I do is I seek God. Do you know that God will talk to you early? See, when it's 11 o'clock in the morning, he's busy with all them so-called Christians. But you get early in the morning, it ain't, his line ain't busy. He'll talk to you. It ain't nothing like getting up early in the morning, you know, getting your cup of coffee. And, you know, Becky's already asleep because she sleeps at the crack of noon. But it ain't nothing like getting up at 3 o'clock in the morning and get up and get you a cup of coffee. And you get up and you start to... Oh, praise God. Hallelujah. You know what happened? He'll talk to you. I guarantee you tried. Well, y'all don't believe it, so let me go on. The second thing that's been taken out of the church, two main things that the devil stole from the church is the altar and the Holy Ghost. Because, you know, now, now, Brother Herb, now, you know, do you believe in that speaking in tongues? Well, no, I had a pastor tell me one time that they'd done away with that uh, with the apostles. Well, it didn't with me because August 22nd, now, honey, if I'm, if I'm telling a story, you tell them. But August 22nd, 1990, when the power of God knocked me down, Miss Ramona, was you there? Okay, you was there. Santa Claus, was you there? Were y'all there? Well, we had a lot of people there that know that I'm telling you the truth. When the power of God knocked me down on that grass, in White House, Tennessee, I got up speaking in a language that I didn't understand. It, uh, somebody told me something one time, maybe you're speaking Chinese or Japanese or something. No, I was speaking a language that God gave me. And it was, it was the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And it was a way that I could get in touch with God. I want to challenge you this week. If you got the baptism of the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking, start praying in the Spirit. What are you talking about? I pray. Let me tell you something. Now, I try to do that all day. I mean, I'm not every day on my knees all day long. But working, you can be praying working. Lord, I just thank you, you know. Let me tell you something. If you start telling God how much you love Him and how much He's done for you, you know that makes It's like uh, you guys got little kids. That little kid comes up and, and sets you in your lap. And he said, Daddy, I love you. What does that do? Your heart melts. And that little kid will get what he wants most times. Why? Because they're showing appreciation for what you've done. 
Well, I got to go on. Oh, God, I ain't got no time to finish this today. But the Holy Ghost, they've taken, it's not kosher anymore. What we've got is our churches, we got mega churches that's got all of these satellite churches. And we got the, 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 uh, got a big screen TV screen and we're piping in a message that there's no anointing whatsoever. Like I said, there's no altar call and there's no anointing on the service. It's like going to a movie theater and watching a movie. I'll tell you what God's fixing to do. And let me tell you something. He's coming back. He is coming back very soon. But it's time that we get back and listen to God and seek His face because we're in trouble in America. But what we have done in our churches, we have programmed God out of our churches. It's all about the big program. We've got the big uh, orchestra, and we got a program. We got a program, you know. For and, and I'm not, I'm not against program, but you know, we we got so many programs that God don't have time to move in the church because we've outprogrammed Him from the church. Now you know we gotta have we gotta have a program uh, for the homeless, and that's all good. We gotta have a a a, a, a program uh, that will let Ed and Fred come into the church. We have to have a program for them, and we have all these other programs. How about letting God come in back in the church? I think we ought to let God come back into church. But the battle is yours. Turn to 2 Corinthians real quickly. But the battle that we're fighting is you. You've got to win your battle before you fight a war. In 2 Corinthians 10, we see this in verse 3. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments and everything that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity. The war that you're fighting, the battle that you're fighting is here. Bringing the thought, your thought life into captivity. Because if you don't get a hold of your thought life, the devil will run rampant in your mind. See, the devil can operate in your mental, in your mind. The devil cannot operate in your spirit. See, the spirit of man is off limits to the devil. The mind he can operate in. So if we choose to follow the spirit, the devil can't bypass. The, the, the devil is, is some powerful, but he's not all powerful. 
But so many times we let him work with our mind. And then people, you know, they're coming to church. Well, now, you know, we, we, so-and-so don't like me. He don't like me. So-and-so else said something about me. Love covers a multitude of idiots. Brother Mike here, you know, he's been now here with me about five years. He's learned more in five years than he would ever learn in a seminary. But he told me the other day, he said, Pastor, he said, I learned something from you that's very interesting. You know, the thing about it is, if you don't know it all, get with somebody that knows more than you. So many times, everybody thinks they know it all. But it'd be best if you if you don't know it all, get with somebody that knows a little bit more than you. But he said something the other day. He said, Pastor, he said, I found out something with you that I learned from you. He said, you got a favorite saying that says, don't let them see you sweat. Never show emotion. Because if you start showing emotion, both of you are bastard cases. So I just said, well, okay. Uh-huh, yeah, uh-huh, okay, yeah. Brother Herb, you know about so-and-so? Yeah, uh-huh, okay, okay. And, 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 and you know what it does? It goes right out the window. Now, if they want to come and ask me something about the Bible or, or Jesus, I'm all, but don't come to me talking about somebody because I ain't got time for it. Amen. Now, but now God is looking in this last day for battle-tested Christians who will fight. And we're going to be in a battle, my friend. And he's looking for Christians who's going to stand and fight. Now, in Acts chapter four, uh, Acts chapter 1, we, we see here in Acts... And the Bible is talking about, you know, we're talking about the Holy Ghost. And in Acts chapter 1, Jesus said this. In Acts chapter 1, chapter, Acts chapter 1 verse 4. And then assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be t- baptized with the Holy Ghost. Now, what is that? I thought... I'll I, I tell you an interesting story back when we was on a mission field. I had a uh, Baptist boy that was my interpreter in Panama. And so, and Ricky would tell me, now, now Brother Herb, now, you, you, now you know, you're talking about the Holy Ghost. Uh, I have the Holy Ghost. I said, and I'd say, and Ricky, you do? Yeah, I, I have the Holy Ghost. What he was saying was, he he was Christian and he had accepted Jesus as his Savior, he received the Holy Spirit. But then Jesus is talking about in Acts chapter 1 here, a substance experience that was being baptized in the Holy Spirit. And he said there that you would receive power. That That's where you have the power to fight the war that we're going to have to fight is in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So Jesus said, you shall receive that. Uh, and he's talking about on the day of Pentecost there. But I'm going to tell you this today. A weak, spineless church 
is no threat to the devil. The devil don't care how much you come to church, how much you shout and all that and do all this other kind of thing. If it's not based on the Word of God and you've got the power of the Holy Spirit operating in you, you're no threat to Him. You know, it's, it, it's like I was telling my wife the other day. It's like the devil is a bully. And so, you know, I, I was telling my wife, I said, what do you do with a bully? See, here's the thing about it, Ed. If you back up, the bully will always be in charge. But all it takes with a bully is to stand up. And most times they're weak. Now, you know, you people that read my book know that I took care of a bully when I was about 10 years old. It's something about a baseball bat that will help a bully. It really will. That's the same way that you ought to be with the devil. When, when trouble comes to your house, you ought to say, you're going to mess with who? Do you understand who you're talking to? You're talking to a Holy Ghost saturated, filled with the Spirit of God, and you're going to come tell me something? Let me tell you what you do. I'm going to kick your butt outside the door here, and I'm taking charge of this thing right here. No weapon! Somebody help me this morning. No weapon formed against me will prosper. Every tongue that comes up against me, I shall condemn, bless God. That's what a Holy Ghost uh, a Christian will be. Now, before I close this morning, I'm going to give you seven things here. And all of them are scriptures, and I don't have time to go through each and every one of them real close. But I'm going to give you seven things. Seven weapons. To win in the war. Number one, I want you to get to look it up in the Bible. You can find it. Number one, my God shall supply all of my need according to his riches and glory. Weapon number one, I ain't got no need. My God will supply my need. Number two, no weapon formed against me will prosper. Number three, greater is he that's in me. Oh, you ain't got it. I got two people got it. Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. I like this. I've been redeemed from the curse. I've been redeemed from the curse. Number five. I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. Number six, for God has not given me a spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind. Number seven, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He has not changed. The same Jesus that walked this earth over 2,000 years ago is still the same today. He will take care of you no matter what your situation is. 
And he wants us to come and get a hold of the power and the experience of the Holy Spirit. So we've got these weapons. I'm going to tell you something. Get in the Word. I try to encourage you. Get, read the Word. Or read it on a... Now they read it on a tablet or something, whatever. that thing. I don't even know how to turn the thing on. If I didn't have Mike, uh, Mike does all this, all this stuff here. You thank, thank God for him right there. Done every bit of this. i tell you what he done this week. He hooked up the TV in the nursery. The nursery can see, see the service on a TV in the nursery. So there ain't no reason that you can't do a time in the nursery. Me and my me and my little wife right there. We we we, we pulled one Sunday night a month at Millersville Assembly of God in the nursery. Let me tell you something. And they had a big nursery. I mean, I have climbed on my uh, climbed up chairs, done on my knees, rolling piggyback. I mean, I've done all this other kind of stuff to keep them occupied. And the whole time praying that Brother Bagger's going to shut up and please release the service. I said, my God, will he, will he get through? I mean, he, am I telling the truth? Sometimes he's long-winded. Well, I got another hour of stuff, but I'm going to quit because I, I know you all ready. But I want to encourage you. God will help you to hook up and believe God. Turn off the TV and turn on Jesus. I'm going to share something with you. Come down here, Josh. Before I close, I'm going to share. Come down here, boy. I'm going to show you what God God, God will do. We came to this town uh, January 12th, 1997. Stand right here, boy. We come to this town. January 12, 1997. It's nothing like being embarrassed, is it? <laughs> Let me tell you something. You know what we did? We had a little storefront. Now, you tell me if I tell the truth. We had a little storefront building. And, 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 and you know what? I was a, I was the pastor. My wife was a, a children's church worker. And I'd done youth on Sunday night. And this boy come in one night. You know what he came in? He had tattoos. I don't have tattoos. He had earplugs. I mean, ear uh, <laughs> uh, earrings. You know what we did? I loved him. You know what I did? I told him Jesus loved him, and I and and and, and I didn't look at him what it was. And you know what this boy was? He was an usher in his church for a long time. Is that right, John? I'll tell you something else he did. He was sitting in the balcony one day. Tell him what happened on your back. Um, I was having real bad back pains for like a long time. And um, one day you were preaching, you just stopped. I was like, my back's hurting. Somebody here's got back problems. And I looked at um, 
the kid's mom, and I was like, it's, you know, it's me. I've got back problems. I come down, and uh, you prayed for me, touched my legs, and it felt like a little ball went up my back, touched my back, and I've never had any back issues again. Well... Now, he was an usher in here, and we had uh, we kept the usher's coach, you know, jackets in my office, in a little on, on a little rack thing. And I was having a bad day. I didn't want to preach that Sunday morning. I probably done had some Jezebel try to raise hell with me about something that I didn't have nothing to do with or whatever. And I was sitting at my desk, and I was having a pity party. Josh come in and get his coat to be an usher. And he looked over to me at my desk. He said, Pastor, I'm going to tell you something. You came to this town in 1997. There's all kind of drugs, all kind of things. And he said, if you hadn't come to Portland, I'd be dead today. Guess what happened? I I was ready to preach that Sunday morning. Because, you know, because God touched this boy. I love you, man. That's what God wants to do for you. And I tell you this, the Word says He's no respecter of persons. That's right. He don't look at somebody because they don't look right to you. Because he looks at their heart. Everybody stand just a minute. I'm going to ask you in this church today. You've heard a message that I believe touched somebody's heart today. I'm going to ask you in this question in this church today. I know the Lord's coming back. Every head bowed and every eye closed, I'm going to ask you this question. You say, Pastor Herb, now I'm not asking you to join a church. Joining a church does not save you. Amen. But you say, Pastor, I'm not where I need to be with God. I'm going to ask you to touch me this morning. I want to turn my life and start serving God. I want to know that I die today, that I walk out of this building, that I make heaven my home. If that's you, raise your hand right where you're at. I want to pray for you. God knows where you're at. He knows what you're thinking. If that's you, raise your hand. I want to pray for you. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm just going to let God touch you in a real way. God bless you, honey. I see your hand. God bless you, sir. I see your hand. It was not by some accident that you just happened to come today. There's others, too. There's two. But there's others that will say, Pastor, I I, I need to turn my life and get my life straight with God. Now, the Bible tells me this. Jesus said this. If you will not confess me before men, I cannot confess you before my Father. Now, you that raised your hand, 
I'm going to ask you to step out. And I'm going to pray a prayer with you. And when you walk out of this church today, everything you ever done is under the blood of Jesus. Jesus, God does not have no remembrance. When you say, Jesus, I want you to touch me. I want, I want to turn my life over to you. That right there, the blood covers everything that you've ever done. And you're going to get up tomorrow morning with a different attitude on life. You may also be here today and you say, Pastor, I'm not really where I need to be. I've accepted Jesus, but I don't know. I'm not walking where I need to walk. If that's you, I want you to raise your hand. It's the biggest decision you'll ever make to turn your life over to God. God's tired of people playing games. The game time is over, my friend. God bless you. I see your hand. The game time is over. God forbid, but you could walk out of this church today and there be, be an automobile wreck and you go out into eternity. Do you know for sure that you'd make heaven your home? Now, if you raise your hand, I want you to come right here. And I'm going to pray with you. And you're going to walk out of here today a born-again child of God. And everything, the Bible says that, that everything, 2 Corinthians five seventeen says that you're a new creature in Christ. Old things have passed away. Can you imagine this? That, that, that you can imagine this? That I could accept Jesus and Jesus does not see my past he said, old things have passed away. And behold, I'm going to make everything new. As we sang, I want you to come right here. I'm going to pray for you right now.